We're there by this time, hopefully. Second Timothy, chapter number 3, and verses number uh, 12 to verse number 15. Again, uh, making homework is our, 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 our entire lesson idea, and it's trying to uh, create a biblical home uh, uh, in a very, very, very dark world in a society that doesn't welcome Bible Christianity. So it's something that we should think about. And uh, I'm on the power of the parents' influence part one is going to be lesson number three. Power of parents' influence is really neat how Pastor Cole has been talking about power and how we have to have influence. And now, as I looked at my lesson for this week, it ties in a little bit more specifically in regards to parenting. All right? So look at that in verse number 12. It says, Yea, in all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, the context, obviously, is Paul writing to Timothy here. And look at verse number 15. Uh, and, the form, and that from a child, so we see that Timothy was a child, and, and thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. What a, what a testimony. That as a child, he has been taught uh, to know the Holy Scriptures. And the Bible continues and tells us, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation thou, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, verse number 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And you kind of see here God is using uh, Paul to talk to Timothy about him knowing the scripture. Now from that same scripture that you have been saved from, now here's some of the things, other things that that scripture will help you now being as a pastor. And so you continue in context there in verse 16 and 17, he's talking to him now, not as a child, but as a pastor. All right, he's a young pastor and you see that context but it revealed to us there that he was a child and he known the Holy Scripture as a child. So it's possible, parents, that we can teach our children the Scripture. We talked about that last week in lesson number two. So uh, in truth, the influencing of a child takes place in millions of moments over the next 18 years. Now, 18 years is cult- customary culturally in America. Okay, that's how we do it, uh, although that's changing. <laughs> Some of our kids are staying in our basement until they're 30. And so uh, that, that might be changing, I don't know, but customarily, and even the author is a little older here, but uh, uh, he's thinking 18 is American custom that it's time for, for somebody to move out of the home. Now, that's not Bible, that's just our custom, okay? So just be careful with that. Let's go ahead and pray and dive in into this, uh, the power of parents' influence, uh, all right? Lord, bless. Guide us today, we ask. Uh, help the Barron family. Help my aunts and my uncle and my dad and those uh, uh, that are involved with my nan. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us. Help us to be a blessing. May this time also be a, a cause of a testimony uh, to be shown to them that we love them and, Lord, that they're important to us. And, Lord, that uh, we represent you, Jesus, Lord, to them. 
Thank you that my nan did profess salvation at one point in her life. She did trust you as her Savior. And Lord, thank you for that. Lord, bless again, we ask. Help us as we learn this truth. Guide us, guide our minds, uh, guide our thoughts. Help us to trust you and rest in you. And thank you so much that you are in control. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So some of those moments will be accidental, meaning you didn't plan for them. When dad loses his temper and forget that his daughter is watching. Have you ever had that scenario where you got mad about something and your kids looked at you and they just viewed your excellent spirit, just watched them? Uh, or, for that matter, when he kisses mom and his son quietly notes that it's good to love your wife, all right? Some of it would be intentional or planned, something you prepare, something you want to do, all right? Some of it may be intentional when dad reads bedtime stories or mom plans an afternoon picnic to make memories. All of it, every single moment, will be influential in the heart of that child. Now, there's something that happened yesterday that created a moment for our children. They went out and exploring more. That creates a moment uh, for them to have a, uh, to have a memory uh, that uh, their junior church did something with them. All right? Uh, so parents... That would be a good example. Let's do some of those things with our children that create moments. And we don't have to spend a lot of money necessarily. Uh, like I said again in previous lesson, they really just need your time. Include them in some of your, uh, per se, pertinent activities that your kids would not be bored out of their mind. Okay? Uh, so don't go do paperwork and take them and wait at a, at a DMV and get your license. They're not going to enjoy that. Uh, unless you tell them, I know this is going to take a while. Uh, someday you're going to have to be here and get your driver's license. But after this, there's a Paula donut shop next door, and we're going to go over there and eat some of that. Maybe they'll come with you. So it depends on how old they are. But uh, think about that. Or when they are 16 or when they are 17, start preparing them. Hey, someday you're going to get your license. These are the forms that you have to fill out. This is the things that you must do. You want to drive, right? Well, you have to make some wise choices, like clean your room, please. Let us know that you're responsible. Show me you're responsible. All right? Uh, get a job. Get an inter-level job or get a good job right away. It doesn't matter. Get something so that you can prepare to start paying for insurance of a car or buying a car. So some of those things uh, can fall into that, and you can teach them as you're doing it because you have to register your car, right? You have to get it inspected. You have to maintain your vehicles. Won't you try to include your children? Some of them would like it. Some of them will not like it. But they're going to do it, even the girls. Even girls have to drive. So they need to know some things that maybe it's not something that you're going to prioritize and say, all right, the best investment of my time with my daughter, probably not as mechanics, although there's some girls that love to be grease monkeys. So I don't know. You know your kids. I can't make a, a criteria for you and make it very specific. You need to take the principles I'm teaching, look at your life, look at your children, and make application that is appropriate for you personally. Okay? So think about that. Uh, one of the most encouraging examples in Scripture of a profound influence of parents, and here again, not just parents, but grandparents, have on the heart of a child is that of Timothy. That's why we want to look at Timothy here. Uh, through Timothy's story, 
as highlighted through the letters that Paul wrote, we uncover the valuable means of influence which we as parents have at our disposal. It is, per se, in a war, it is a weapon. It is a weapon in rearing children if it was a war, if it was fighting for their lives. Influence is a powerful weapon and tool as parents we can have it and is readily available to us. We just have to know how to appropriate it in our situation. It, it is these ways of influence that we'll look at in the next two lessons. So let you know this is part one. We're going to look at part two uh, of this, which, because I'm teaching, it's going to take us <laughs> more than two lessons. So that's how that goes. All right? The first word of warning. All right, Paul gave a word of warning here in verse number 12 to verse number 13. There's two uh, things that we need to be watching for, two words that encapsulate two reasons we must be proactive influencing our children for the Lord. This is something vital. This is something, oh, that's a nice tool in the cover, but I don't know how to use it. Forget about it. My wife uh, is in the generation of crock pot is what she understands. All right? Not a crock pot. You know what I mean? Like the tool, crock pot, like what you use to cook. She's into that. And I think we were given an Instapot. The Instapot is sitting in the box. Due to the fact that we are not unfamiliar with that tool, and we don't know the capability of that tool, because simply we're comfortable with the crock pot. Right? And so what happens with Christianity is we get comfortable with one way or two different avenues of aspects of Christianity, and we neglect some other things because we're simply unfamiliar with it, all right? And so influence is something that we should not leave like the crock pot or the instapot, I should say. We should not leave it alone. Let's figure it out. Let's see what God says about it so we can incorporate it in daily life, all right? And so that is a shout-out for my wife to start using the Instapot. All right, anyways, look at the first uh, uh, two reasons here why it is something we must actively pursue and do. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will godly, uh, live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's number one. There's persecution to be had, all right? Number three, uh, number two, 13 here, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. There are people that are there to deceive you and your children. So those are the things. Uh, godly people will suffer. Godly people will suffer. We must instill in the hearts of our children a love for God and a commitment to stand for truth, regardless of what suffering may come as a result, that will segue into what I'm preaching this Sunday morning. And so it is our responsibility now as parents that are rearing children and grandparents to help influence them and be a support to the parents. If we have grandbabies, we don't fight with the parents on how to raise the children. We, in, we should have done raising our children to do the right thing. And then now as they have their own preferences of, of, of appropriating, appropriating Bible truths, we should not be fighting. We should be encouraging them and influencing our grandbabies to obey their parents. All right? 
So grandparents sounds like this. You know, your dad likes that you do it this way. You better do what your dad say. That instead of grandparents saying, well, you don't have to worry about what your dad says. If it was me, this is what I would do. Okay, that doesn't help you. And it doesn't help the child. Okay, so be, be thinking about that. Uh, you might not like some of the preferences of your children, but they are the parent. You are not the parent. You are now an advisor and to help your grandbabies uh, to obey their parents. So you'll be the first uh, person that they can uh, see to cheer their parents on. Cheer their parents on. Grandparents, you have a big job. You're not done. and You have a big job of support to help your children as they parent their children. And so uh, going to the point here, there is suffering. Regardless of what uh, suffering may come, you have to Teach your children. Now we're teaching you this. We live this way. But guys, the world doesn't understand this because they don't know Jesus. They don't have the Holy Ghost. And so they're not going to dress this way. So be careful how you approach them. First and foremost, your approach to lost people should be souls getting saved. Number one, you don't, you don't target their dress. You don't target their music. You don't target nothing. You target salvation. Now some of those things can be a sub topic because those are the things the devil is using for them not to get saved so eventually you're going to talk about those but really your your main target with lost people is salvation salvation is your your target i don't care uh if they know a bunch of things about scripture they're going to talk to you about uh this and that get them to salvation all right, you're spinning your wheels if you're going to teach them about tithing and you're going to argue them about politics and you're going to argue them about uh world views get them to say be saved that's where you start, all right, with them. And then they incrementally grow as a young Christian. Then you can target some of those other topics that they need to change, all right? So think about that. Uh, learn, uh, teach your children how to relate to lost people. And teach your children how to relate to save individuals. Teach your children how to respect older people. And teach them how to uh, learn to work well with their same age people, all right? Because they have those. And then help them also to learn how to treat younger people than them. All right? They have different uh, ways you could do that. The second reason, all right? The second reason of warning that we have that makes us needing to be uh, purposely influencing our children. The next reason is uh, there are truly sinister influencers, who would love to capture the attention of your children. And there's so many avenues now that your children can have access to very, very, very easily under your nose. And they can be influenced. And they can be taught certain ideologies and certain thoughts that contradict Bible principles and Bible truths. And so uh, those are the two reasons why Uh, It's highly, highly advised and uh, commended that we should really pay attention and really take a hold of influencing our children. This is not a simple matter of teaching your children uh, not to talk to strangers or give out their personal information on social media. Those are common (laughs) good things to do. We're talking about people who through marketing, media, music, 
and every other form of popular culture available have a uh, a popular culture available have a definite agenda to corrupt the heart and mind of your children. Not only are you working to shepherd their hearts in personal maturity and spiritual growth, but at the same time, you're having to ward off dangerous influences. So you have an enemy in this influence, all right? It's up for grabs, and you have to win against the others that are buying for the attention of your children. That's why you can't trust media or devices and television to do the job of a parent. We can't have lazy parents. We can't have lazy parents. We have to have engaged, proactive, involved, participating parents in the raising of our children. So I warn you, those that are maybe in a relationship and those that might be thinking of children, great that you want a child because they are a gift from God. They're a heritage to you. And the Bible says you're blessed to have your quivers full of them. Great. They're a privilege. They're like getting puppies. They're cute, and they provide joy. But like I said in the very beginning of this lesson, not only are they a privilege, they're also a responsibility bundled up in one pretty wrapped package. So, okay, as you enjoy now having these individuals given to you by God, now you have a responsibility to rear them up to the nurture and admonition of who? Of your design, of your whim, of your want? No, of the Lord, of the Lord. They are given to you, and you are to steward them because they belong to God. They are just given to you and given you the responsibility to be their earthly parents. And you have now uh, something dear and that you could raise up as a weapon against the enemy. So uh, what's some of the things that in war, in context of war, we protect? Information. We don't let everybody know what we have and what technology we have to combat what the other, the opposing side has. And we're guarded by that, right? And we don't let them influence us, right? We guard that. And we educate our children against the enemy. We don't give them to the enemy and say, learn from them. Because if you let the devil raise your children, well, guess what? They're going to be diabolically opposed to the Bible. And so be careful with the influences you allow. So we find uh, influence through the scripture, all right? Influence through the scriptures. When a child's moldable heart and mind absorbs God's truth, it sets his direction for life. You start out young. You start out young. You start using this tool as young as possible, as, as early as possible in your child's life. Use the power of influence. Look at Second uh, Timothy uh, 3 again, and verse number 15. It's in your notes. And that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scripture. So the power of influence that the mom and the grandma had on Timothy was based on the Holy Scripture. The scriptures lay out for us the structural boundaries 
that should be a part of the Christian home. They provide both structure and standards. So guess what? Letter A is provide structure. Provide structure using the Bible in influencing our children. Look at Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. Training is setting up structure. It's not discipline. Training is not discipline. Training is entirely on its own that needs to be had before you discipline. Can I get mad at you for not knowing what I want you to do and having showed it to you? I would be mean if I did that. I would be unfair. I would be unjust. But God is not that way. God is altogether pure. And so what he does is he instructs you and gives you instruction. This is the way I would want it done. And then, as he instructs that upon you and he teaches you that, you have the responsibility to exercise free will and choose to do that the way God wants it done. Now, as you grow and as you follow God and you keep doing this, and when the moment you don't do it, then God has to come back to you and say, hey, did I not told you this is the way to do it? I'm seeing a pattern. You're not doing it the way I'm doing it now. Now I need to discipline you. That's correction. Okay, don't confuse that with your child. Don't wallop up your, I have to be careful online. You don't discipline your child without proper training. Don't confuse the two. All right, we think, well, what I mean by train up is discipline. No, no, train them. Teach them how to make their bed. And we're going to learn that here. Before you say, well, you didn't make your bed. Well, the kid don't even know. First of all, Dad, I didn't even know I was supposed to make the bed. You never made that apparent. You never structured that. You never gave me the boundaries. And now I'm going to get in trouble for something I didn't even know I needed to do. All right? Training is the training them to do it. Don't take it for granted that people will do it because they saw you do it. All right, there's some of those things that are going to be be accidental. They'll catch it. But there's also intentional teaching that you will show them. All right, now this is teaching moment, Micah. This is how you mow the yard. Look, this is how you start the lawnmower, and I want you to go straight. Oh, my, I'm having a heart attack when they're they're helping me with the shoveling. Because I told you I like my shoveling. And if you look at my corners and you look at all of my edges, they're beautiful. They're just absolutely gorgeous. And there's a way that I shovel. I go from one corner and push it over, over there. And then I go on the other corner, but depending on how wide the, the driveway and go that way. And then I, I was taught by my father, grab it and don't just jump it like that because you're going to have four foot of snow maybe. Which, thank you for sunny go on. No, we don't get that right now. And so I, I have to throw it far. And you know what, what Philip and Micah does? They're going this with the shovel. They're just going like this, and, and Philip's going like this, over his head. He's just going like that. And so I'm doing the patio, or the, the I'm doing it right. And I look, and I go, oh. I just assume they're just going to do it the way I want it done. Now I'm going to go over there and teach them. I'm not going to discipline them. Because they don't know. I never made it clear that I want it done that way. So I'm going to go over there and help them and say, okay, guys, this is the way I was taught my father. And there's a lot of sense to this. Because parents do everything right. But uh, go do it this way. 
And then when you lift it up, lift up from your knees and push it up. All right? And so guess what? I turned around. Micah got it. Philip has no hope. Philip has no hope. Those are simple things that, uh, that this can be applied to. Washing dishes. dishes. Washing dishes. Uh, when are you going to teach your children how to wash their clothes? When are you going to teach them uh, uh, to have a devotion on their own when they're going to read the Bible themselves? When are you going to teach them about soul winning, especially if they're saved? They're, they're saved, right? They should be soul winners. When are you going to teach them about tithing? When are you going to teach them about faith promise? When are you going to do those? Right? And maybe you have a way of doing it because of Bible, Christianity, or liberty. It might be different at times, and we're going to cover that here. If I ever get to it, we'll, we'll cover it. Uh, so uh, the scripture lays out the structure, boundaries that should be a part of a Christian home. They provide both structure and standards. So train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it in uh, Proverbs 22.6. Christ-like character is developed through structured training. You can't just tell a child. You have to show it to them. They have to see you uh, do it. We have to train him. This requires showing him what you expect. Oh, this is a problem. Uh, in, In any relationship, if there is no clear expectation of one's responsibility to each other, we have a lot of problems. Be clear with one another. Be clear as much as possible with one another. And we are afraid sometimes to be totally honest with each other because I feel like sometimes it's going to hurt us. But I'd rather live there than I'm completely honest with you with what I think and how I feel so that at least you know exactly where I land on a situation, right? Uh, Don't anticipate, well, if I do this, uh, they're going to hate it, so I'm going to try to do it this way. And then we end up manipulating and we ended up doing things, and it's, not, it's now become unclear what do we really want. Have you ever talked to somebody, and you just simply ask them, what do you really want? Because you're confused. Because they, you've talked about this, and they do it this way, and I said, no, no, no. And, the, and then you do it this way, and then they're, no, no, I don't. So what do you really want? Let's just be honest here. And so your children expect clear, clear boundaries. Yeah, little Philip expects me and needs me to give him clear boundaries. Mariah needs me to clearly give her clear boundaries. So at home, if I don't want her to get hurt, I expect that she doesn't climb tables. She doesn't ride the table, the dining room chair as a horse. And she doesn't climb on counters. And she doesn't jump off of the couch. And goes on the room and climbs up on the headboard and say, Hi, Abanga! You, you have to change some of those. And I have to have clear boundaries with a little two-year-old. All right? And so on and so forth. Start this structure young because they will get used to it as they get older as a teenager. You can't wait until they're too old because then they will buck the structure you're setting. All right? So right now when you have little children... Get this, boundaries. You have to train them, show it to them. This requires you showing what you expect. 
instructing him or her, helping him or her along the way, allowing him to practice regularly on his own. And here's the danger of us doing it for our children. I got a bad, this is my bad, this is my bad. This is always my bad. Because it's easier if I just do it for them because the time to take it to wait on them and my patience is so thin that I just say, okay, man, I don't have time for you to to do what I want, how you do to rinse the dishes and stick it in the dishwasher. Just get out, kid. I'll do it. And then we, we, we ended up not training them. All right? So train them. And if you don't have to do it every day in a hurry. I understand. All right? But find a day. Just like you do school, right? You schedule that. That doesn't just happen happenstance. You schedule. I will schedule people. Americans are good at scheduling things. Well, find a time. Training day. What's our schedule today, little Mariah? Today, you will learn to use the toilet. We talk about potty training. That's in our vernacular uh, as, as Americans. Why do we stop at potty training? We should continue and do other trainings, right? Uh, etiquette on the table training. Do not dance on the table, all right? Sit down on the table. How to use the fork. It is not to fling across the room and hit a target that is in your head. It is for you to use it this way. Yeah, yeah, intentional parenting. Do you want your kids to eat properly? Teach them how to eat properly. You eat properly. How are you eating at home, by the way? In the Philippines, what we do, we use our hands. So I'm not teaching my children that. Predominantly, they're going to be in places where they have to use utensils. In the Philippines, we don't have to. There's restaurants in the Philippines. I can't wait. I'm going to go. And it's required, almost advice, use your hands. Here comes sickness. But anyways, there's, there's places in the Philippines that is all right on the table that a man lifts up his feet as he's sitting on the table like this. It's right on the seat. And he uses it like this, and he's eating. That's customary. Okay, if a father wants to eat that way, guess what? He's going to probably train his kids that it'll be okay to eat that way on the table. Now, you all Americans look at me like, uh, that's cross-cultural now messing you up, but, but that would be okay, right? I'm not going to tell that father, put your feet down, right? At my home, I wouldn't eat that way. So then at home, I teach my children not to do that. Or don't eat in your room. Right? All of those little things that we don't think of, you have to teach them that. You have to teach them intentionally those things. Uh, Allow them to practice work on their own, expecting, then, here's a point part, uh, after you show it to them, you teach them how to do it, you help them along the way, and then they're doing it on their own, then now inspecting their work. Look at their work to see if they're doing it. And finally, correcting him as he practices until he gets it right. All right? Go on and on. You have to have some patience here, and they don't have to do it exactly the way maybe you would do it. You need to find some happy medium here. Be, Be moderate. All right? Know the child's personality. Know what they're capable of. And and know when it's good enough. Not maybe to you, but for that child. Learn all of that, okay? Learn all of that. It is important that your children know that the structure of your home life includes boundaries set by you as parents 
and that you seek to make those boundaries in accordance with the principles of Scripture. So now we're going to talk about standards here. We're going to talk about standards. And this, is, this, this whole thing right here I'm going to show you is really good for setting up standards everywhere across the board. With your music, with your movies, where places you go, the way you dress, whatever. This would be good, all right? It's a good foundation to start making some of those standards. How do I come up with my own standards? Well, you need to have this structure to help you out, okay? So how does a parent know where to place those boundaries? And boundaries are standards, all right? Boundaries are like fences. The whole idea of a standard is not to make you holy. The, old, the idea is to, to protect the holiness God gave to you, to keep you from falling into sin. It is a safeguard. And some of us are like, want to be safer than others. We're not risk takers. And so uh, in Christian liberty, God gives us boundary lines. He says, please, this is the line. Do not cross this line. You have this and all of that. All right? God was not mad at Adam and Eve for eating a tree or a fruit that was close to the good and knowledge of evil. He just says, don't eat of this particular fruit. But there was other fruits around that they could eat if they wanted to. Well, some of us might feel, well, I want to stay as far away from that middle tree. I'm going to eat the perimeter fruit. Then you can do that because you're not in, in sin. But don't force all of us to do it the way you're doing it because we have Christian liberty. Do you understand that? All right. In parenting, this comes in. That's why some of you parents that have parent children, when they become adults, you look at them and say, they don't do the things I do. They do it different. Well, it has to be because they're different than you. They're totally uniquely different than you, even though they're your children. You might see some of your resemblance in their decision, but there's some of their decisions that has nothing to do with you. They did it on their own. Now, now, the parameter is not against God, all right? The parameter is not against There's a fine line that God says, don't cross this line. This is sin. This is righteousness, all right? Those are clearly given in Scripture, and we don't argue about those. But there's some Christian liberty that your children someday will not do it the way you're doing it. And as a parent, it's okay as long as they're in the Christian righteous side of that. Look at Proverbs 4 in your notes. One to four. Oh, man. All right. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to know understanding. For I give you good doctrine. There's the word. Forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, there's a training, and he said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Where's our target parents? On the very beginning of this lesson, where do we want our teaching to land and our influence to be at? Where do we want it to happen? In their heart, not outside. We don't want them conforming to, our, to us because uh, just outwardly. We want them to do it from their heart. Our target is the heart. And you will do it different if your target is in the heart. You will do it different. Uh, it'll be different than just targeting the outside appearance. I don't want my kids just to look like a Christian. I want them to be truly a Christian. Okay? For I was my father's son, in the sight of my mother, verse 4. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. 
Sadly, in many homes, the standards set for children have been either arbitrary or unexplained. Although children should respect the authority of their parents, the Bible clearly teaches that, by keeping their standards, teenagers are likely to reject standards that they don't understand or see as coming from the Bible. The older your children gets, the more their mind starts to work. And the more they're being coming an individual that have to make calculated decisions. And so as they grow into that, they're not going to end up just saying yes, sir, to you because you just said so. You have to now start explaining why you do it the way you do it. And you have to have some Bible truth to let them know. Or we go soul winning. Why? We have answers to that. Why? Why do we go soul winning? Why do we read our Bibles? Why do we wear the, way, the things we wear? When they become older and they're becoming individuals, you need to now have what? The wise. At two-year-olds, they don't need the wise. They're not going to ask you for the wise. They're going to be easier. But when they're, Dad, why? You have to have Bible answers. I'm not going to go, go on because our time. All right, I'm going to leave it right there. And we'll move on and kind of give you a pyramid of how things should be, all right, next Sunday. Let's go ahead and pray, and it'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you again for everyone that's here. Thank you for those that watch us online. Thank you for them. Help us all as parents to do the best we possibly can. Help us to be intentional in influencing our children. Help us to learn what it means to train our children. This is the whole topic of influencing is training them. Lord, I pray, help us to know our Bibles, know why we believe what we believe, so that now we have the responsibility to rear up our child in those same truths we've learned from your word. Help our grandparents to be a positive influence to help parents, help the parents and grandparents not to fight with one another, and even let the moms and dad to be on the same page and not fight one another. Lord, give us children that have been trained in your word. I pray we ask that you'd help us as parents. Bless our day as we continue now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.